counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. There ain't no second place in Lambo, it's a whole new game. You either go big, go hard, or go on back home. You got to feel it in your gut, you better want it in your bones. Welcome to Lombardi's Legends Podcast. It's Dane. I'm here with Wags. Wags, we're two and zero. We are two and zero. It feels really good to get off to that great start, especially against two divisional rivals. And uh, it wasn't always pretty today, but we got it done and we got the win, and that's all that matters. Wags, I I'm I'm a little emotional after that one. Sorry, folks, if my voice is a little hoarse. It was it was for me shouting at the TV for the last three hours. But on the day that uh, the Packers, that Sherry Starr was back in Green Bay, they were honoring Bart Starr. Brett Favre was in the building. We came through with a huge win, and uh, we, we've got a couple wins already in the NFC North. We're leading the division through two games. And um, let's just get into it because I thought that we saw some good. I thought we saw some not so good. But I also think we saw um, uh, a shaping up of what this Green Bay Packers team could become long term. Yeah, absolutely. It was um, um, obviously the way the game started. It seemed like, whoa, is this really going to be an easy win today? We're expecting a hard-fought battle coming into the week. And that's certainly when, what we ended up getting. But racing off to that start that we did in the first quarter, first drive, marching right down the field, and it was just beautiful to see that offense clicking some uh, right on the first play, um, getting a Devontae Adams uh, separation and, and out in big, big yardage situation, and then to convert that screen pass to – uh, get into the end zone right off the bat um, was was something that was uh, really nice to see, wasn't it, Dan? Yeah, Wags, and uh, you and I were going back and forth a bit during the game, uh, texting each other, and uh, how great was it to see Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones on the field at the same time? That's something that defense is, oh, man, I wouldn't want to have to defend both of those guys with Aaron Rodgers on the field. Yeah, I hope we see some more of that. That was something we talked a little bit about in our running backs preview uh, before the preseason started. Are we going to see both of these guys out there in the backfield? And we definitely saw some of that today. So uh, I was calling for that all last season. And uh, these guys, as they've developed into, you know, perhaps having some expanded roles and needing to get them out onto the field, um, having both weapons there so that you can keep the defense off balance makes a lot of sense. And uh, they were able to execute some, some nice plays uh, out of those sets today. So um, I'm really happy to get both of those guys involved. Um, and overall, Aaron Jones, what a day he had. 23 carries for 116 yards and a touchdown. Average five yards a carry. That was far more production than I was expecting to be able to get against this tough uh, defensive line in the Vikings. Yeah, I mean, that's the most work I think Aaron Jones has ever had as a Green Bay Packer. Uh, he he touched the ball early. He touched the ball often. And, uh, yeah, he's got the 116 yards. He's got the TD to show for it. 
but also let's give a credit to the offensive line uh, because I feel like the O-line got in there. They battled all game long against a really tough Minnesota Vikings defensive front, and they were able to, to really get some movement there down in the trenches and get some good push. I thought that uh, in particular, I really enjoyed watching Corey Lindsley. I know he had a penalty on him early in the game uh, for, for a false start, but I thought that he got a ton of push really often. But also the Packers were able to set the edge quite a bit. And you could tell with those pitch plays that the Packers were really trying to attack those edges. So they must have seen something on film, and they were able to uh, exploit it throughout uh, throughout the entire football game. Yeah, absolutely. And then on that second possession, what really stood out to me, Dane, was three for three on third down and some some really nice plays that they were able to make to keep the chains moving. That was something that they obviously struggled with last week against the Bears. They only went two for 12 on third down last week, but came out firing on that second possession as well. Um, And uh, then uh, a really nice catch and uh, throw between Rodgers and Geronimo Allison uh, to cap off that drive and, and put another six points on the board. Yeah, Geronimo had a, kind of a mixed bag game, I thought, overall for the Packers. Uh, obviously, he had the, the fumble a little bit later, which we'll get into. But on that play, he had nice separation. He went up, and Geronimo is one of those long, lean receivers, and he was able to go up make sure he got both feet in the back of the end zone there and pulled that ball down. I thought that was a really impressive play. Um, obviously, just a couple weeks here, uh, but I think uh, we saw a little bit of a glimpse in week one of what the offense could be capable of. Certainly in week two, we saw in those first three series that, wow, when the Packers' offense is clicking, uh, they look basically unstoppable. Uh, but I think what we also saw here was that Devontae Adams is obviously the go-to receiver. We knew that. Uh, but after Devontae, I think Rodgers is going to be spread the ball out quite a bit. One week it might be Jimmy Graham that's going to be uh, uh, getting his share. The next week it might be MVS. We might see Geronimo in there. I'm sure Kumaro is going to work his way in. And Trevor Davis didn't even see the field today. So um, I think it's going to be a week-by-week basis. But – um, were, were you um, surprised by by who was in the the game at, at different junctures here? And, and what do you attribute to kind of the after those first three uh, great series? Uh, do you think that it just started to to we clearly hit a bit of a wall there? And why do you think that is, Wes? Well, um, yeah, I mean it's hard to say. They they uh, certainly, obviously, uh, were able to. Then uh, turn a Vikings turnover, um, fumbled by Kirk Cousins uh, on a play that um, really just got after him and, and then uh, turned that into seven more points um, with um, uh, Jones being able to dive into the end zone then uh, on a rushing touchdown uh, to cap off that drive. We're up 21 nothing, And <laughs> I, I have to be honest, Dane, I was sitting there thinking this seems too good to be true because yeah. – it just seemed too easy against, you know, you have to give the Vikings a little bit of credit here, too. Um, certainly, we would have liked to see some better execution, and um, we left some points on the board. Uh, but um, it, it, even just getting 10 more points the rest of the game, and, and it, it, we put that thing away, and we're not having to sweat that um, game out at the end. So, yeah, yeah there's some growth that we need to uh, see, but we saw – 
that spurt of what this offense can do. And you have to be able to just take that and spread that out over three, four quarters of a game and uh, put the, uh, you know, when you've got an opponent down like that, you need to, you know, uh, put the foot to the pedal and throttle them and get, and just put them away. And, and, and that's something that we didn't see. So certainly from that aspect, it's disappointing. But on the other hand, glass half full, the way that they were able to execute in the first quarter um, and the way this defense played uh, overall gave up a, a few chunk and big yards plays, but um, that was enough to win them the game. So uh, from that standpoint, you can't really be too disappointed. The offense, I, I think, clearly took a step forward this week over what we saw last week against the Bears. The tempo was much better. Um, that was something that we talked about coming into this game early on last week, um, a couple of pods ago. Uh, we talked about that after the Bears game, uh, kind of looking ahead. We need to see them get out of the huddle faster. And then during the week, we hear Rogers going to you know, have a wristband on. So obviously that was a point of focus. And for the most part, I think they were able to clean that up pretty well. Um, third quarter, they came out a little sloppy on that. And just They seemed to get a, a little out of rhythm. I don't know if it was um, because – you know, maybe they're getting deeper into their playbook and, and they weren't able to get the plays in as quickly. The Vikings defense has gotten some stops. Um, so, again, I think it's about making sure that um, you have a game plan that can cover the whole game uh, when you're in that situation so that when the defense makes a few stops and you have to give them some different looks and some different wrinkles, uh, you're not uh, out of rhythm and kind of scrambling to pull some things together. But um, overall, you know, you have to be pleased with, with how they came out and, and really set the tone. Yeah, and uh, you, you touched on the play sheet. So Rodgers is wearing that wristband here. Uh, it sounds like uh, after after the game, the post-game interview, Aaron said that he used it on six or seven plays uh, throughout the game. But he also said that this is probably the most wordy or wordiest offense that he's had since his time in Cal. So um, certainly um, what we're seeing is not only uh, the, the process and the progress play out on the field, uh, but Aaron's still probably getting comfortable with some of the terminology uh, even as the season goes on. So uh, I can't wait until, you know, they've got this down pat in the next few weeks because, my gosh, as you touched on, uh, they showed some very significant spurts there, I thought, on the offensive side of the ball. Um, one one thing I wanted to touch on that actually made me chuckle after the game, certainly it's easier to chuckle about when we've won the football game, uh, is um, that fourth and one play um, that we went for there. Uh, it, it, I thought that we should kick a field goal there. It turns out after the game, and I don't know if you've read this yet or not, Wag, that uh, Rodgers thought it was actually a poor spot and it was a first down and he tried to rush to the line so they could snap it right away uh, so it wouldn't get reviewed. And after that fourth and one is when he realized that it was actually a fourth down play and not a first down play. And he jokingly told reporters after the game that it means he's going to have to have a little bit more scotch tonight uh, after uh, making that mistake. Well, it is a little bit concerning. I mean, we can chuckle about it, I guess, but the quarterback doesn't know the down and distance and what's going on there then in that situation that 
you know, isn't the coaching staff, you know, are, are they not aware of what's going on? Can't they call a timeout from the sideline? I don't know. I think that's just a, you know, that's, that's a failure, obviously. Uh, that's, that's one of those times where I, they left points on the board. Um, no doubt about it. Um, if they able to kick a field goal there, they're up 24-7. Uh, Vikings would have had a little bit of time before the half, so who knows what happens then. If they still would have gone down and got a field goal or if they would have got a touchdown uh, off of you know, the kickoff or if they wouldn't have scored at all. But it, either way, you know, um, quarterback and coach have to know the situation and know what's going on uh, and you can't, you just can't make a mistake like that. And, and, and uh, thankfully, it didn't uh, turn out to be the difference in the ball game. But uh, clearly, that extra three points could have been, you know, looming large, depending on what the final outcome would have been. Yeah, uh, obviously, uh, my voice being hoarse. One of the reasons it's so hoarse was because of that play call. <laughs> I lost my mind a little bit there because uh, we were up 14 at that point and kicking that field goal in that situation to put us up 17, I thought would have been um, pretty disheartening for the Minnesota Vikings uh, at that juncture in the game. Uh, but speaking of coach and player, oh, well, go ahead, Wade. Well, I was just going to say, you know, the other situation, certainly you touched on it, the Geronimo fumble. Um, you know, we scored those 21 points, but again, that was another possession where it looked like we were going down to score field goal, you know, at minimum. And we were just marching right down the field on that drive. And we, we had some really nice rhythm. So, you know, that's three to seven more points that you have to take off the board. And yeah, turnovers happen. I, I get it, but it, it's, it's disappointing that it happened in that situation. It's, Geronimo is fighting for some extra yardage, but uh, he just got to be smarter and secure football because uh, that was uh, yeah that was a, another one of those opportunities that we could have just put them away because uh, that was right after um, they, they had just gotten a long run uh, to to get pull within twenty one to seven. So it was a nice response uh, possession, and that the offense just marched right back down the field, and it looks like they were going to respond with a score of their own. Um, and that fumble could have been a huge momentum shift, and luckily the defense was able to make a stop. Yeah, no, certainly, certainly. I, it just felt like there were a couple times in this game where we had an opportunity to um, put them away, and we weren't able to quite do that. Fortunately, we were able to, to still come out with the victory. Uh, so, um, you know, 2-0 is still 2-0, uh, but uh, certainly some room for improvement and for some growth as the season progresses. Uh, one thing you touched on when we were talking about the fourth and one was uh, communication between player and coach, uh, reading after the game that there was some pretty significant animated exchange between Coach LeFleur and Aaron Rodgers on the sideline there right before halftime uh, where they were, uh, they were kind of giving each other the business a little bit. Um, and uh, we also saw, uh, it sounds like, uh, you know, uh, they they figured it out and they were able to communicate and then we saw the the TV cameras showed Lafleur sitting on the bench with Aaron Rodgers going over plays uh, something that we didn't see very often uh, in his time with Coach McCarthy and uh, you know what that told me or spoke to me was that um, they're not going to let things fester 
uh, on this team right now, and that Aaron and Lafleur are, are building this relationship. And maybe in, in uh, years past, I know Aaron and McCarthy certainly had a different relationship, but um, I'm really intrigued by uh, what we're seeing with Coach Lafleur and Aaron because uh, Coach Lafleur has called this a partnership, uh, and and uh, and we're seeing that play out to see the head coach sitting on the bench next to his star quarterback as the defense is on the field, I think really speaks to um, how uh, hands-on Coach LeFleur is on this offense and how they're working to make this what it needs to be. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, don't make more of that than what it is. It's, uh, some people might say that Roger is being difficult, but um, that's just two competitors out there and, you know, arguing or being – you know, um, upset or frustrated and then, you know, working through that and talking through that and getting on the same page is absolutely what you want to do in that situation. Those guys are, you know, Aaron's out there and, and he wants to win and, um, you know, he's seeing things out on the field and the coaching staff is, I'm sure, seeing things out uh, from the sideline and in the press box. Uh, so they're all going to talk through that and, and then work through that and figure it out. So, um, I choose to believe that the way that they came out um, so strong in that first quarter is more of a sign of things to come than the way that they closed the final three quarters. Um, are they going to score on every offensive possession? Obviously not. But, you know, um, the, the, the different looks and the wrinkles and, and the efficiency on third down um, in those first few possessions was what really stood out to me. And, and Aaron was just sharp, right? He he had a game plan that he was confident in and he was attacking. Um, he wasn't attacking quite as much those last three quarters. It looked like they didn't quite know exactly what to do when the Vikings punched them back in the mouth. And so, you know, they'll learn from that. I, I think they'll, again, I mentioned earlier, they didn't quite have – a deep enough game plan, it seemed, um, which I guess you could say is a little bit of an indictment of the offensive coaching staff. But let's take, you know, uh, the growth that we saw and, and the production that we saw, and uh, let's just, um, uh, you know, uh, look at it optimistically and uh, see if that can just uh, be something that they can build on moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. Let's – and, and – and, you know, we, we spent a lot of time on the offense, and the offense certainly put us in a position to win early. Uh, but then the final three quarters, uh, no doubt about it, the defense continued to play, I thought, at a very high level. Uh, kind of an interesting game and an odd anomaly of a game, I think, from the defensive side of the ball uh, in that the, the Vikings got a couple really big chunk plays on this defense, but then for about 50 or so snaps, uh, they they managed maybe 200 yards total. So this is a defense that at times I thought looked like it was suffocating, and certainly by the end of the game, Kirk Cousins looked like he'd seen a ghost out there. He did not look comfortable. The Packers had been pushing him off his mark early and often, and it didn't look like Cousins ever got very comfortable there in the pocket today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 75 yards came on Dalvin Cook's long run, and then um, uh, 61 yards came on uh, BB's long uh, pass and run that he kind of just ran all the way down the field. 
and then 49 yards came on Dix's long touchdown. So those three plays, I mean, that's part of playing defense, and that's part of playing football. So you can't just take them away and say, well, if we hadn't given those up, then the defense would have only given up 150 yards. But uh, at the same time, those big, those are big plays that, you know, give give the Vikings credit, but I don't expect that this is the type of defense that's going to continue to give up those types of big plays, especially more than one or two of those on a weekly basis. So um, I have confidence that they'll be able to clean that up. And, um, you know, Dalvin Cook, he's a load, man. I mean, uh, he showed why uh, he, you know, was obviously someone that they needed to key in on uh, coming into this week. He had a great week and, in uh, week one, and he had a career high in yards today. So, um, it, it, thankfully, it, it, at the end of the day, um, you know, uh, he had to work, I think, for the rest of his yards, 154 yards on 20 carries. So, out of the other 19 carries, you're looking at about uh, 79 yards. That's not terrible. I mean, they're holding him to basically four yards a carry then the rest of the way. Um, so, uh, certainly you would like to, to see them shut that down, but um, I thought the defense was opportunistic. Uh, we're able to enforce a few turnovers, and that was kind of the, the key that we expected to, them to have. We knew the Vikings would be able to move the football, but uh, when the field shortened, they were able to force a few turnovers and, um, and just uh, get them flipped and, and turned to the other direction. So, um, overall, you had to be pretty happy with the, the pass defense, especially. Uh, Cousins was only 14 of 32, uh, holding digs to only one reception. And uh, Thielen, you know, aside from that long 30-yard uh, reception that uh, went to review and, and, and withstood the uh, review, didn't really do much. So um, I thought the pass defense especially was, was really, really good, aside from those two long pay plays. Yeah, I, the pass defense was good, and they just—you don't have to sack the quarterback in this league to make them uncomfortable. Uh, you can get in their face, you can be around the pocket, and I think that that's what this defense did. And uh, somebody who maybe won't like, get as due, uh, maybe as much as maybe a Kevin King or uh, or a um, or a Preston Smith or some of the guys that had these big splash plays today, uh, but I thought Dean Lowry was earning his paycheck on every snap uh, on the defensive line, obviously received a very nice contract in the offseason, and he proved why today. I thought that early and often he was in the uh, backfield on passing downs. He was holding his own in the run game. Uh, he was just disruptive. He was in Kirk Cousins' face, and I thought he just played really well at the point of attack. He was getting off the ball. If, if folks are going back and watching film, watch Dean Lowry jump off the ball today. Uh, play in, play out. It looked like he was just outworking people out there, and I was really impressed by that. And um, and you're right. I mean, these these, these big plays, there. I don't think that they're going to continue to happen. I think that we're going to need to uh, limit these, these plays, but I think that good defenses continue to shore things up as seasons go along. And after two weeks, uh, yeah, I know we played Trubisky week one. Sure, we played uh, Kirk Cousins week two. Uh, but that being said, both of those offenses have some playmakers on there, and the Packers were able to find a way to win and to limit the Chicago Bears to a field goal and limit the Minnesota Vikings to 16 points. That's pretty damn impressive, and I don't care who you're playing. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and how about Blake Martinez? He was all over the field today. Um, you know, he was really, I think, um, stretched to just cover a lot of ground. Um, and that's not an easy assignment that he had to try to be the one that's coming up and, and wrapping up Dalvin Cook at second level. And, and Dalvin won some of those battles, but I'm not sure that they were all on uh, Blake Martinez's side of the field. Let's just put it that way. Um, Savage came up and made a big tip, and I thought he was all over the field as well today, but made that big tip that led to Preston Smith's interception. Um, so uh, really, really nice to see. Um, and I, I, a guy I thought that, Although the defense only gave up six points in the second half after he went down, but uh, Raven Green, I, I thought his presence um, after his injury, um, I, I thought that the lack of his presence was felt a little bit out there. And you know, Raven is someone that you and I both like a lot. And you know, I'm not going to say that he's an irreplaceable guy on this defense, but. Um, he's been, you know, playing some really good football from the preseason all the way through week one and, and for that first half today. So um, hopefully, you know, I don't know if we have any word on his uh, ankle injury or how severe that is, but um, let's hope for the best and that he is uh, able to get healthy soon and, and get back out on the field. Yeah, and uh, right before we hopped on to do this podcast, uh, he tweeted something out on social media uh, it wasn't specific about what happened with the injury. He just said thanks, everybody, for your well wishes and uh, that he loves this team and go Pack Go. Um, so mm. hopefully it's not as bad, but it's, uh, you know, anytime a kid like that's getting carted off the field uh, is tough. Um, uh, other than that, from an injury standpoint, I did read that Darnell Savage actually left today uh, um, after after the game, of course. He played the full game, uh, but he left in a walking boot, actually. Um, but okay. folks don't know if it's precautionary or not, so I don't want to raise any red flags or, or, or make anybody too nervous there because uh, in the NFL, these guys wear that kind of stuff quite a bit after games as kind of a precautionary measure. Uh, but outside of that, and I believe a, a mild ankle injury from Zedaria Smith, who, again, continued to play football. Um, I, I can't think of any uh, injuries of note. Yeah, and, uh, you know, one other guy I wanted to highlight, not so much uh, from the plays he made, but several plays that he almost made. It's Jair Alexander with all of yeah. them the football on uh, a couple of uh, times that could have really swung the game and, just, you know, didn't quite close in. I Certainly one was on the long touchdown to Diggs. It looked like he was going to be the guy that might come down with that football, and they kind of just both met, and he didn't quite uh, get there soon enough and, and turn and, and locate the football. Um, and um, that could have been the interception by Jair. Um, another one was on that long uh, pass to Thielen that went to review. Uh, when that ball was in the air, uh, Jair was closing, and it looked like he had a beat on the football. And I don't know if he just lost the ball. It almost looked like he lost the ball in the sun for a yeah. moment because it looked like he was going to close in. And he had kind of the inside um, track at being able to uh, get position and come away with the interception on that one. And he almost got his hand on the ball as it is and uh, really, I thought, made a pretty good defensive play considering. But uh, that could have been another – Big play, and then 
uh, certainly that just flat out dropped interception late in the game in the fourth quarter. Um, so those are the types of plays that we know Jair is a competitor and a playmaker. I don't expect to see too many of those not go his way moving forward uh, because, uh, you know, one or even just even one of those, if he would have come down with them, would have really swung things uh, in a big, big way and I think uh, may have cemented a Packer win in uh, maybe a, a slightly more resounding fashion than what it ended up being. It's a good point. And, and uh, to your point, Jair Alexander is becoming a, a – he's progressing to become a shutdown corner in this league. He's nasty. He's getting in these receivers' faces. Uh, he's not letting these guys get good releases off the line of scrimmage. You can tell that he's able to reroute these receivers. He's got good body position. He's got a very short memory. Uh, he's got great energy when he's out there. He's really good at communicating. He's all the things that we're looking for out of a, out of a cornerback and a cornerback one here. And uh, I'll say that he bookends that when Kevin King's out there on the field with him, man, they are a tandem to, to you do not want to mess with. I mean, you've got some young guys, and they're different kinds of guys. I think that Jair is a little smaller in stature. Kevin King's a little bit longer uh, and, and a little lankier. And those two guys can match up with just about any receiver in football right now. And that's what's so exciting is that when you add that with the pass rush, you add that with the better defensive back, uh, the, the secondary there at safety, uh, obviously the, the second line of defense there at the linebacking position. Um, it makes for just really good football to watch, and this is a defense that's working really well together. And I wouldn't be shocked if, as the season progresses, we might not be hearing Jair's name as much, uh, not because he's not making plays, but because teams are just avoiding throwing the ball to that side of the field. So I agree with you, Eggs. I am super high on Jair Alexander. I think that week two, it's a learning experience for him. He's only in his second year, and he's just continuing to take steps to get better. Yeah, and how about Kevin King? Because, you know, he was the other guy on that long digs reception, but uh, other than that, he basically smothered him. I mean, told uh, Diggs just one reception. Uh, he was targeted seven times, but Kevin King, I thought, was all over the field, and he was just blanketing him. So he did a tremendous job overall today, and then obviously coming up with that huge interception. In the end. Yeah. I mean, how does Kirk Cousins throw that football leg? I can't believe it. <laughs> because it's Kirk Cousins. I call three interceptions. I got two, and I think we could have gotten – you know, four or five, as I just mentioned. So um, I, you know, it's Kirk did not have a good game today, no doubt about it. Um, they, you know, made him move around in the pocket. That's exactly what they want to do, get him out on the run. Just the opposite of what they were doing against Trubisky last week. Trubisky, they wanted to stand in the pocket, certainly get some pressure on him, but they didn't want him to get out and run because he can hurt you with the feet. Uh, with Cousins, yeah, he made a couple of runs and got one first down on a third and seven, I believe, on a run. But, you know, I don't – I'm not going to, you know, lose any sleep if Cousins is moving around out in the pocket and getting out and running around. I'm like, I'm thinking we're going to get a lick on him and maybe jar the football with Kirk Cousins running around. And he's not making accurate throws on the run. So um, I, I thought they did a very, very nice job of, of, as you said earlier, making him feel uncomfortable. They only got one sack but they were in his face, and they were moving him around all game. 
Yeah, legs. I mean, through two weeks, the Packers have made average quarterbacks look pretty damn bad. I mean, that's what it comes down to. So, obviously, we're going to be playing a lot of good quarterbacks this year as well. Uh, but through two weeks, I, I think that you said it perfectly. Um, these quarterbacks have been playing into the Packers' hands. The Packers have been dictating how these quarterbacks play. And I think that that's the key to all this and what Coach Pettin's doing. is He's got the pieces to allow for us to make these quarterbacks uncomfortable, to allow for us to make them make mistakes uh, that they might not normally make. And that's a sign of a good defense. And these guys are hungry. These guys, you can tell that this Packer defense by – by how they are posing after the Preston Smith interception. These guys are feeling each other. Jair Alexander said after the game that this defense has swag this year, and he's 100% right. These are guys that are feeding off each other's energy, and they're playing such a good collective unit of football right now. Yeah, so I just wanted to call out a couple other things here that were interesting, just kind of looking at uh, some of the final numbers. Um, Third down efficiency didn't turn out to be all that good, and I think – for the Packers, 5 for 13, for 15, so only 33%. Slightly better, obviously, than last week. Um, 3 for 3 on their second possession. But outside of that, that pretty much sums up uh, why they were struggling to, you know, move the ball a little bit more in the second half and, and get any points. Um, but on the flip side, 3 for 3 in red zone efficiency. Uh, Vikings are over 2. And time of possession, Packers uh, kind of a commanding lead there at 34 minutes to just under 26 for the Vikings. So, um, you know, you have to give the offense a lot of credit for even though they didn't score any points, and uh, certainly we would like to see them put it away in the second half. They were able to, you know, get some first downs running and, and get some um, some nice yardage on the ground in the second half, uh, and that was just enough for the defense to put the game away. Oh, that's wonderful. It's, I'm, I'm just so happy right now. 2-0, and 2-0, we've got a, a lead in the division here. Uh, this was a tough stretch to start the year, uh, as all Packer fans uh, recognize. Not necessarily going to get easier right away here. We've got Denver coming up next. I know we'll do another podcast uh, previewing that football game as well. Uh, but for now, I think that Packer fans just need to enjoy the moment uh, because we have gone back-to-back weeks beating Chicago Bears and the Minnesota Vikings, and uh, we are putting ourselves in position to be a really good football team uh, in 2019. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, couldn't uh, have said any better, Dane. At the end of the day, you know, no matter what, 2-0, you could not have drawn it up any better. And guess what? We haven't played perfect football yet. Uh, And so that's the really exciting thing, to be able to to start off 2-0 and against division rivals, two teams that, you know, have Super Bowl aspirations in their own right. And uh, we didn't necessarily play the cleanest games in, in many regards is, if anything, super encouraging to me because uh, we saw some growth today, and I think uh, we're going to continue to see some growth and continue to see um, some guys uh, get better and um, continue to see this team come together and start clicking on all cylinders. So that is just something that's super exciting to me, that uh, we can have this nice start, and that takes a ton of pressure off us, I think, in the second half of the season. Just stack wins, baby. 
just stack wins. You're right. Let's keep stacking them here. Uh, and let's just make for September and October and November to be something excited about here in Wisconsin, uh, because it's always better when the Green Bay Packers are in a playoff hunt. And, um, right now we are laying the foundation to have that kind of season. Wags, do you have anything else to say before we sign off? Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.